preaching up here is not great for online viewers, but I'm not an online preacher. I wasn't called to preach to the masses via the internet. I was called to pastor this great people right here. Some pastors have got a new calling to evangelize the world with their cameras, but I feel that my primary goal is to minister and preach right here to you. And there's things that I need to say to you that are independent and different from what I would say to the rest of the world. And so uh, this might not be best for lighting and best for people watching online, but uh, I, I just feel the need to be close, closer today. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We love you all so much. And uh, if I check my phone every now and then, I've got a turkey on my Traeger grill. Home, so check it real quick. It's 119 degrees inside the turkey. So when it hits 150, we have to have altar call, and I, <coughs> I've got to go. Hey, y'all, we got 31 degrees. In the name of Jesus, we got to hurry. We had a good time with our family. The Holy Ghost is... Uh, is moving in our midst, and the Lord told me to, uh, to talk about, about David today. Uh, boy, I love this. Anybody love the story of David? I love the story of David. It's so, so awesome. I, I never get tired of talking about David. I think so many of us relate to David in so many ways, and, and you might not think you, you relate to David, but when I get done, I think you might think you relate to him more. David, David wasn't, he wasn't really anybody special when things really launched for his ministry, his life. Um, and I told, I told the media, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 17 in just a minute. Uh, we'll go there in a minute. But let me give you some background of what's happening in 1 Samuel 16 and 1 Samuel 17 and give you a little idea of what's happening. I, I don't want to skip things because sometimes as preachers, we jump right to the really good parts and people that are not used to going to church don't know what's happening in between the gaps. And we, we preach Pentecostal like everybody knows the story when the truth is most people I talk to don't read their Bible. And so it's like people don't know the story. But uh, just to give you a background before we get into the whole battle, we get into David approaching Goliath, the giant, the big fight. That's what we're going to talk about in a little bit. I want to give you a little bit of background today because in chapter 16, uh, the Bible says that there was his family. Jesse was the head of the home. He was the father and that uh, God had stripped the anointing away from King Saul, the current king. He was the first king of Israel. He was the king chosen by the people, head and shoulders, above all men. He looked like he would be the best leader for God's people. But he disobeyed God. Everybody say, he disobeyed God. He disobeyed God. In fact, God told him to destroy the enemy, to kill everything, to kill everything the enemy owned, because God wants to get rid of things and get rid of things from coming back later to haunt you. Some of y'all deal with something, but you don't deal with the root of the thing. And it comes back. And so God knew that King Saul, in order to be victorious, would have to go to the root and to kill everything. But he decided, King Saul, the man, he decided to do things his way to be, uh, to be smart instead of to be spiritual. I'd rather be spiritual than smart any day because I will never understand the ways of God. And you will never understand when a pastor gets up and says, get rid of it. It'll never make sense to you. It'll never make sense to you when God says, get rid of it. 
How many times have I, how many times have I said, or you, you heard somebody say, we just got to get rid of this thing. You're sitting here going, well, that, why would I get rid of it? That's not a big deal. It's not that harmful. This is what was happening with Saul. Is the prophet, the man of God said, you got to get rid of all of it. And he said, but I could use it for good. Oh, man, we're already preaching this morning, aren't we? He said, I could use part of it for good. I could use part of this to sacrifice for you, God. Boy, how many excuses I ever heard people be like, living for God. Like, but, but Lord, I could use some of this sin for good things. You know, I could, I could use some of this for good, you know. And so he was told to eradicate this root, this spirit, this this entire uh, lineage of people, even their animals, but Saul decided that he was going to take it upon himself to keep part of it so that he could worship, so that he could use it. And he was trying to be smart instead of be obedient, and that's why the best sacrifice is obedience. See, he was trying to use some of these animals from the enemy to sacrifice to God, but God doesn't want your sacrifice. He wants your obedience. And it doesn't matter what you bring to God if you're not bringing obedience. The best sacrifice is obedience. The best sacrifice is obedience. What he's asking of you is much better than all the things you think God wants. Because we, we get ideas on our head of what we think God would make God happy. But obeying him is what makes him happy. So Saul doesn't obey. Saul decides to do this and immediately God rips the kingdom from him. But watch this. He's still technically the king, but yet he doesn't have God's favor. Some of y'all have wondered how men of God could be men of God and not be anointed at the same time. It is possible to hold your position in a church and lose the favor of God. This is why some of y'all have had a pastor before. You come from a hurt church, a broken thing, where you ask the question, how could he be a pastor or a man of God and still be in the position? Because it takes a little while for you to see the manifestation of God's anointing leaving somebody. Because you can work on your title for a while. But eventually your title will not be enough for you to maintain your ministry. And so Saul is still operating with his title when the anointing has been gone. He is inevitably going to lose the battles of the future because he no longer has God's hand on his life. And as God strips the kingdom from this king, this man king, he looks for another. And guess who he finds? He finds this young boy named David. Now, I want to take a little bit and give you a background because some of you can't relate to David, but I want you to be able to relate to David. David is the youngest of his brothers and family, and David is out watching the sheep. So David's job is to be a shepherd and to take care of the sheep, and uh, the prophet, uh, man of God, comes and he says, Jesse, it's time to call everybody together and we're going to sacrifice And the original goal that God had was to find the new king to take Saul's place. And God, God saw the heart of David, the young boy, and God saw the potential. Everybody say potential. Everybody say potential. Potential is what we're all about in the kingdom of God. Potential is what we're all about in the kingdom of God. If you are truly a prophet, you have have the ability to see potential. Enough with the prophets that always see doom and gloom. Where are the prophets that can see the potential? Where are the prophets that see the next preacher in the drug addict? Because that is what the prophet is really for. It's for our building, not for our destruction. So the man of God could see, because God helped him see 
that David would be the next king. But it wasn't easy for the man of God because whenever he first walked into the room, the Bible says he looked across the brothers and Eliab the firstborn looked like he would be picked. But as he spent some time talking to God, God eventually revealed that it wasn't the one that looked the best on the outside. Yeah, but it was the one that had the heart. And you can't see heart. Only God can reveal heart. Only God can reveal heart. And so the famous scripture, the famous word is God looks at the heart, man looks at the outward, God looks at the inside. This has been totally abused. So let me take a minute and talk about this. Because I just recently this week heard this misquoted when it comes to what we do on the outside. Some use this Old Testament scripture that had a specific context out of context to say that I can do whatever I want outwardly because God sees my heart. As if your heart does not create an outward manifestation. What you do outwardly is because of what's happening inwardly. What, what this context means is God sees the potential in you when it looks like you'll do nothing for him. This is not a holiness topic. Too many times I've heard people say, I'll do what I want, I'll go where I want, dress how I want, because God looks at the heart. Even if that were true, we are not just called to God, we are called to our neighbor. So even if you believed that man looks at the outside, God looks at the inside, you are still called to reach man. So now you can't do whatever you want on the outside because you're called to reach men who don't know your heart. They only know your outside. So if you don't get the outside right, the people don't know the inside. Some of y'all are like, it don't matter how I act, what I do, how I live because my heart is right. No, if your heart was right, it would show up on the outside. And we can't read your heart, sweetheart. We can't read your heart, sweetheart. We can't read your heart. We can only read what's happening on the outside. So if it never manifests on the outside, it's not in your heart. Yeah. So that's the context of that scripture. Don't let anybody use that against you. Talking about how it doesn't matter. You go to that church that talks about the outside. It doesn't matter what you do. God looks at my heart. You are out of context. Finish the scripture. Find out why that scripture was even there in the first place. They weren't talking about what we do with our lives outwardly, inwardly. We're talking about the potential of what somebody can become in the kingdom. That's the context. So Saul says, uh, uh, so, so David is called uh, eventually into the room. <laughs> Did you know that he wasn't, he wasn't there whenever, uh, whenever Jesse was told to gather the family? See, now y'all, some of y'all are going to start connecting with David a little bit. Jesse, his own father, did not invite David to the ceremony. His own father, his own father, his own father did not believe he needed to be there. I think we're relating with the majority of America now, aren't we? A fatherless, technically spiritually speaking, that didn't believe in him, a fatherless figure. Yeah, he was there, but he wasn't. He should have believed that the youngest could have been the greatest. But his own father didn't believe. Now we're connecting to people right here in this place. Yeah. 
I love how God works. I love that God would pick the boy who was the youngest that nobody believed in, that nobody thought he could do it. Uh, Who am I talking to today in this place that you have written yourself off like you're done, like there's nothing for you? But don't you know that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? And God wants to pick somebody up in this place. But, but there needs to be the intervention of a prophet. There needs to be the intervention of a man of God. There needs to be somebody that can hear from God and see the king and the shepherd boy. And that's what we do in the kingdom. We reach inside the hearts of people and we pull out God's best. We reach inside the hearts of people and we look past the outside and we pull out that king that's inside, that dormant king. That God wants to build. Look what all David did. But look how he became. Because somebody was sensitive to hear from the voice of God. Who in this place right now, you just need somebody to speak a word of life to you. You just need somebody to see the king inside of you. Who am I talking to today that nobody's ever believed in you. But you're here right now. And when the Holy Ghost starts to move, you just better hold on. Because God may find something in you and reveal it in this service today. I believe that he will today in this place. So, so finally, he says this. I like what he says in chapter 16. The prophet says, we're not even going to sit down and do this until he's here. So the prophet made the whole family stand up until David arrived. Now, he's on the backside of some, some field right now taking care of sheep. I don't know how long they had to wait, but I know it was so important that they wouldn't even eat. They wouldn't even sacrifice until David was there. So the prophet made them all stand up. So they're standing up and they're waiting. Finally, David rolls in and God says, yes, this is the one. And the anointing takes place. He is chosen. He is picked. And guess what happens? Immediately he is the king of Israel. Oh, no, he's still just a shepherd boy. Kind of like how some of y'all got the Holy Ghost and went back to work. (laughs) You weren't rich. Your family still hated your guts. Your marriage is still messed up. You still drove that old junky car. You got the Holy Ghost and you felt like God's hand was upon you, but nothing changed. Because listen, the anointing of God, the anointing of God, it prepares you for the journey to make you the king. The anointing is not automatically putting you in a king's status. The anointing is what puts you on the journey and gives you the strength to endure what's next. So when you receive the Holy Ghost, you don't go straight to the throne. You most of the time, almost every time, I've noticed people have to go through the wilderness. Because anointing gives you the ability to handle what's next so that you will eventually be able to be called the king. So royalty is a process. Becoming used of God is a process. And so the Bible says he's anointed, but he's still taking care of sheep. He's still delivering cheese to the captains of the army. He's not the coolest guy on the block. He's still just a young man, but there's potential that has now been unlocked, and God is with him, and God is for him. In fact, I find it interesting because when King Saul had an evil spirit come to him, guess who they asked for to come get rid of the evil spirit inside of Saul? They had to go find David to get his old spirit back. Yeah. Yeah. Because the only spirit that will ever comfort you after it's been gone is the spirit that you used to have. Wow, that's powerful right there. 
I'm talking to somebody right now that you've lost it and you're looking for it, but the only way to get it back is to go back to the way you used to be, to live like you used to live and get the same Holy Ghost you used to have. The only way to find peace after you've left God is to go back and bow your knee in repentance and get the Holy Ghost again because you will never find peace when the Lord is lifted off of you. So the only way that he had peace is if David came and David played. And as he would play his instrument and begin to worship, then those evil spirits would leave. And that's why some of y'all have a good time at church, but you don't, you don't sleep good. Because you're around the anointing, but you don't have it. And that's why church attendance is booming. And that's why everybody loves a big church and loves the worship and loves all that they feel. They love being around their pastor. They love having that, that power, but, but you need to go home with it because you need to be able to sleep when it's just you. You need to be able to play your own song when nobody else is around and be able to worship God. You have to learn how to have devotion. Because devotion is where you build everything in your future in your personal, private devotion. So today the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to talk about devotion and its relationship to promotion because everybody wants to be promoted and be something in the kingdom of God. But first comes devotion, that private time when it's just you. All by yourself, on the backside of a hill somewhere, taking care of sheep. Doesn't feel very spiritual, does it? Doesn't feel very spiritual taking care of sheep. Stuff happens to take care of sheep. Really exciting things happen, like, like you have to clean up their poo and you have to feed them. And some of y'all got dogs. Y'all know what I'm talking about. My dad's got a big dog. Well, I could barely walk in the backyard the other day. I had to wear waders just to get through the, the backyard. It was so much... So much, uh, yeah, past Thanksgiving meals, just everywhere, all over the yard. But, but, I mean, it's not a very fun job being a, a shepherd. But there were some exciting moments. Remember, remember what happens later on in chapter 17? Yeah, I'm now getting to the, the, the crux of the matter. He, let, me, let me jump there, and then we'll talk about the, the exciting part of being a shepherd. So David arrives in chapter 17, and his dad told him, now his dad believes. You see, some of y'all don't have your dad convinced, but your dad can be convinced. What happened is, is at first Jesse wasn't convinced, but then he saw the anointing on his son. And then he's convinced because later on we find where Jesse sends him to the battle. At first he never called him, but eventually he starts to send him. Who am I talking to right now that you're trying to reach your family and you don't, you don't know, know what's happening in your family? They don't, they don't believe in you. They don't see the anointing in you. Maybe not right now, but if you'll walk with the Lord, one day your dad that never believed in you might start believing in you and believe in your God and believe in your cause. So you know what would be good for your family? For you to answer the call of God today. Because it can change Jesse's mind. So now Jesse believes in David, and he sends him to the battle and says, check on your brothers. And he says, you know, you can even take their oath or take their pledge, almost suggesting if you want to be a soldier like your brothers, go ahead and do it. Go check on them. I believe God is with you. And so he goes, and he gets riled up, and he gets mad, and he sees Goliath stepping out there challenging everybody. And David's like, what are y'all doing? Sitting back, hiding. We can do this. So everybody's scared. Everybody say fear. Everybody say fear. There's never been so much fear. There's never been so much fear. There's never, listen to me in the Holy Ghost, there's never been so much fear than the hour we're living in right now. Fear has gripped this city. Fear has gripped this area. 
Fear has gripped your families. And there's a lot of hiding going on right now. A lot of fear right now. And David said, why are we hiding? Let's fight back. There's a couple of hurdles he had to get over, Brother Chris. His brother thought he was there for the wrong reasons. His brother started to bring up some stuff like, who do you think you are? Shouldn't you be watching those sheep? His brother started to kind of be a little bit frustrating to work with. And he said, I know why you're really here. not here to help. You're here because you've got an agenda that's personal and private. And sometimes your own brother don't even know you. So you've got to learn to ignore your brother. In fact, the Bible says that, that while he was talking to his older brother, he wasn't listening to him. He turned and talked to somebody else. Because sometimes whoever doesn't believe in your plan, your dream, you have to turn from them and talk to somebody else. And I don't know, I don't know how tight you are with somebody in the church, but sometimes your brother, you can love them. You can be there in the battle with them, but you can't talk to them. Because there are some people that just don't understand your calling. And you've got to find somebody else to talk to. So the Bible says David turned, he talked to somebody else, and, and they begin to say stuff like, well, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to get promoted. We, we can do this. And so finally, word travels, and he stands before Saul. Now we get to the climax of the story in chapter 17, and he's there before King Saul, and he's saying, hey, let's do this. I want to go fight this giant. But he has another hurdle to get over. His own king, his own king says, he's been fighting since you were born. He's going to kill you. Thank you, king. You're such a good king. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you so much. Oh, you believe in me, don't you? So King Saul basically says, this is a death sentence. If you go out there, you're going to die. Listen to this. This is very important, okay? All right. King Saul doesn't feel like he could win. And when you don't think you can win, you don't think anybody else can win because nobody should be greater than King Saul. Wow. See how you suppress ministry when you yourself are in fear? Do you see how you push down those below you when you yourself aren't living right? See what's happening? And men that don't believe in others oftentimes don't believe in themselves. So King Saul tries to downplay what's happening in David because his own insecurity, he should be the one on the battlefield. And watch, it shows up because when he finally agrees, he says, here, take my armor. (laughs) Take my sword. Take my stuff. Take my stuff. My stuff will help you win. If I was David and I was feeling a little bit disrespectful that day, I would have said, it didn't help you. Now, you can't say that. Sometimes you just think it and you pray, pray through and get over it. But if I was David and I wasn't really prayed up that morning, I had maybe, maybe a little sheep get away, maybe bite my foot or something, I'd, I'd probably be a little bit upset. I probably would have said, why would you give me something that doesn't help you have faith? And there's a lot of man-made tools that are being pulled out in the last days that don't work. And, and you know what's even more shocking is the number of elders that are using them. This is Saul. He's the elder. He's the elder. This is not a blanket statement for all elders. The older you get, the more responsibility that's on you to know what you're doing. Right? The longer you've had the Holy Ghost, the more you ought to know. And there are great elders in my life that I rely on them. I call them, I talk to them, I I want their prayers and their advice because they know more, they have experience, and I have those in my life. 
But what I am feeling in this generation, this hour, in the last days is we are starting to lean more on the tools that are man-made than the name of Jesus, than the power and the anointing of God. And there is no tool formed by man's hands that will win this battle in the last days. There is no program. There is no building. There is no microphone system. There's no lighting system. There is no outfit you can wear that will give you the power to do what we need to do here in Austin, Texas and in Dell Valley. There is nothing made with man's hands that will do this job. There is nothing that will give us victory except complete reliance on just Jesus and his anointing and his his power. You can't be smart enough. You can't read enough books. There's no way for you to do this except you lean on Jesus. So David tries on all the armor and says, I've never, I've never proven this before. You know what that means? That means I have won victories without it. I'll win victories without it again. He said, I've never used something like this to win. I have a history of winning. I have a history of doing something. And this segues into this topic of faith. How do you convince people publicly that you are ready to do something big for God? You have to reach back into your past and pull up something private. This is what we don't want to do in the, in the modern church. We don't want to talk about the private things. Jesus help us. But nobody believes you unless you have a private story to tell. I can do this. I can preach. I can do this, pastor. I can do this. How do I know you can do it? You're, you're just David, a small shepherd boy. Notice what David has to do. Now we're getting to what the Lord has spoken to me for this service today. David has to go back to his devotion, his private times, where no one knew he was struggling. Where no one knew that he almost lost his life. Where no one knew the darkness that he was facing privately. Because there is no battle like a battle where you're by yourself. I don't know about you guys, but... I kind of like to think that the battle against the lion and the bear may have been more difficult than Goliath. I can't prove that, but I'll just kind of say a few things about that. David says, I was with my sheep one time, King Saul, and a lion and a bear. That's just bad, that's just bad luck right there, guys. I mean, a lion and a bear. And are there even bears in Israel? I don't even know that there exists, I mean, over there. Maybe they are. I, I just never have known that. Maybe there's a big bear that lives in the Middle East or something. Sure. So a lion and a bear came out, and look what, look what he said. He said, and grabbed one of my sheep and took it. Now, when you take it detail by detail, it's a little bit scarier. Because the Bible says he left his sheep and chased the lion. So this isn't just on this isn't just on our turf. David went to his turf looking for a lion. And y'all know how they blend in with the grass. I, 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 read, a, I read a book, Death in the Long Grass. The top seven most deadly animals in Africa. 
And the scariest thing for the guide and the hunter was, was not the hunt, but the wounded animal that you had to go find in the bush. Because there's nothing more deadly than a wounded animal hiding in a bush. They would literally have to walk around through the tall grass and look for an angry lion that they had just shot, maybe wounded partially, that could easily kill them. And they lost more people trying to track down a wounded animal because you're in their turf, because you're looking where they hide. And the Bible says that David went alone. He left his sheep and he went and he grabbed the sheep out of the mouth of the lion and the bear. But then it says, and he killed him. Y'all know what he used, right? His bare hands. Killed the bear with his bare hands. Some of y'all had a lot of turkey, I can tell. Can't laugh. Uh. So he, he has a story. He has something private happening. He's got something that's so powerful that he didn't need a crowd to hype it up. He's got something so powerful he didn't need anybody to pray with him. He's got something so powerful that he could do it by himself and nobody knew. There was no one there to watch, no one there to be like, good job, Mark. There's something about Goliath that's almost like a stadium, like a coliseum. It's like, go, David! Everybody's watching me. But man, there are times in our lives when nobody's there. This is where God builds the king. This is where God anoints us. This is what prepares us for public victory. When there's nobody around, nobody to call, it's 2 o'clock in the morning and there's fear all around you and you've got to decide right then and right there what you will do. Either God is for me all by myself or he is not. I am going into the darkness and I am going to win this battle all by myself. Just me and my God. Just me and him. Either he saves me or I die. All alone. You want to be promoted, you want to have public ministry, you want to have that public victory, that public battle, but if you can't learn to win those private moments, there is no confidence for big giants. The reason we're hiding is because we don't have private, personal victory. The Lord spoke to me and said, devotions, relationship to promotion is that it always comes first. And if you don't have that personal devotion without anybody around making you, twisting your arm, telling you you better do it. If you don't have any moments of fear when you're all by yourself and it's late and everybody's gone to bed and you're scared and you don't know what's happening, you're sick, you've got COVID and you don't know what's going to happen. You have to have moments in your life where you, where you all alone win this battle with God's help. This is going to prepare you for public victory. Stop running from alone moments. Stop calling on everybody's help. The Lord literally spoke to me the last few weeks and said, for a season, don't call anybody about what you're going through. Because there was a while there where almost every day I was like, hey, brother, let's pray. Brother, what's your advice? Brother, and the Lord finally spoke to me and said, I want to be that for you for a while. And so here I sat. Day after day, not saying anything, just talking to God. 
saying, Lord, I'm not going to call anybody. I'm not going to ask for help. It's just me and you today, God. And many nights I would sit there and I would pray and I'd go, God, I just, wanna, I just want somebody to tell me it's going to be okay. I just want some help, some strength. And, and I'd be like, but no, I said I wouldn't I won't. And so here I am alone, God. But it's in those moments that you feel your help. It's in those moments you feel your anointing like never before. It's in those moments of devotion where it's just you doing it because you feel God is calling you to something very special and very alone. It's in those moments God is preparing you to come to church on Sunday and preach. And right about now, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of any devil. I'm not afraid of any sickness. Tell me something's wrong. I will pray for you and have faith for it right now. Do you know why there's no giant that scares me? Because, listen, I've already faced the lion. I've already faced the bear. And I like what he says. You ready for this? He says, King Saul, and he shall be like that. It doesn't matter what you face next. All of that shall be like all of this. When you can win by yourself, it doesn't matter how many's looking or how big the obstacle, it shall be like that. Today's service will go like last night's prayer meeting. <laughs> Today's service will go like last night's prayer meeting. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. How do you know what will happen tomorrow? It will be just like it was today. If only we had some more references to prove this. Oh, except Jesus is being baptized and the dove descends from heaven and fills him. And immediately the Bible says that the Spirit led him into a king's throne. The Spirit led him into a wilderness where for 40 days he fasted all alone and after he was alone after he was alone for days fasting here comes the devil now some of y'all have fought imps some of y'all have fought mean people some of y'all have had struggles and issues but this is one-on-one -on -one with satan himself who has all dominion and power over the earth to give anything from the earth every temptation can come from him he has the authority to give things of the earth you know that right the devil can cause pain if God allows him, and the devil can cause promotion. And, and the devil is now face-to-face -face with Jesus, and guess what? There is nobody there to help him. Yeah. He is alone. Yeah. But look what happens after the three temptations of directly from Satan. Satan leaves, and Jesus begins his ministry. And the next time you see Jesus, three years later, he is now taking his public ministry on a cross. The cross does not come. The public ministry does not come. The public display of victory does not come without that 40-day darkness that we want to escape. And the reason why we can't get to that public cross is because we refuse to have personal and private devotion where we turn everything off we silence every voice. And if God does not hear us, if God does not come through, then we don't make it. Literally relying only on Jesus. 
Not a television, not a drug, not a friend, not a family member, not a comfort, just Jesus. If you've never had that moment, you need to have that moment. I listened to a podcast recently that said that we need to probably fast endorphins, fast pleasure, fast having it our way to be free of addictions. That it's a scientific fact that if you want to be free of things, you need to be, get rid of things. It's a scientific fact that if you want to be free of pleasure seeking, you have to have a season with no pleasure. And we're addicted to pleasure because we've never shut it off. You have to literally detach yourself from it, go into your wilderness, and just say, it's just me and you, God. If I, could, if I could give a correlation, the lion and the bear would be the wilderness. And Goliath would be the cross. Because one is the natural thing. The Lord spoke to me and said, lions and bears don't have a spirit. That's good right there. Lions and bears are just natural things. That's just life. It's just, it happens. And if you can't conquer the things of life that just happen, you can't conquer the spiritual attacks that come intentionally. Literally, I was praying and God said, why a lion and a bear? They're not spiritual beings. They don't have spirits. They're natural beings. And the Lord spoke to me and said, if you can't fight the natural things and get rid of the natural, like food, like you can't even fast. You can't even get rid of the things of the world. How can you take the enemy that's come to destroy your spirit? Come to take you down and destroy you and take you to hell. How can you win at the cross level when you can't even take that personal, private devotion, shut everything off and say, just me and you, God, all by ourselves? You want to be promoted? You want something public to happen? Conquer it privately. Because you will draw from your past lions to fight your future Goliaths. And this shall be like that. Do not get afraid when you battle things privately. Do not be fearful when you fight things privately. When there's nobody that understands you and you feel like everybody's left you, you are set up for a private victory. God God set some of y'all up with the perfect opportunity for him to be your God, and yet you still run to things. Search for things. God strips us down. God calls us away from pleasure. And we think that we're something wrong happening. There's not anything wrong happening. This is a setup for future ministry. This is God giving you something special for you to be able to do something bigger in your family one day. Bigger through the ministry one day. Private devotion is what's missing. In a busy world where we don't turn anything off. Jesus literally went and separated himself into the wilderness. And he was alone and he fasted for 40 days and he cut it all out. And the devil is no match for people that can go get alone and trust their life in God's hands. He will leave. Today we're not afraid of him at all. There are some people in this place right now, this is how I'm going to wrap this up. Y'all got some big, ugly bears in your past. Some of y'all are laughing like, oh, yeah, have one this week. 
Sometimes Thanksgiving's not that fun if you get around family. Sometimes a little bit of fighting, a little bit of... But some of y'all in this place today, you've got bears that are so scary, but yet here you are. Here you are. Here you are. You've got lions in your past that they should have killed you, but yet here you are. You've got stories to tell that blow my mind. I love your stories. You've got good stories. Awesome Verse Church has great stories. We've got great testimonies, great tacos. You've got stories. But you know what? Will you use those? Instead of saying stuff like, Pastor, I'm just, I was abused. And yet here you are. Yet here you are. I don't don't understand. Are you trying to complain or testify because it's the same words? Pastor, there's this bear one time back in 1995, this bear I faced. I'm like, well, here you are. Good job. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so worried whenever you have a history of devotion where you didn't know what was going to happen, but God brought you out. God brought you through. This shall be like that. What are you dealing with right now in this place uh, that you think this will be the thing to kill you when the truth is this will be just like the other? Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. This is like that. This is like that. This is like 1995 and 2000 and 2005. This will be no different. Let's lift our hands right now in this place in the Holy Ghost. Now God's going to minister in this place. Everybody, right now, let's pray in the name of the Lord. Speak Holy Ghost. Let me pray for some of y'all right now in the name of Jesus, right now. Our friend, come to church right now in the name of Jesus, right now. That's it. That's it, sis. God hears your cry. He knows you. In the name of the Lord Jesus right now, this is going to be like that. Uh, You're a survivor. He's kept his hand on you. He's protected you. You wondered where he was, but he was there all the time. And now what you're going through right now, don't you fear in the name of Jesus. Uh, You shall be delivered out of the hand of the enemy in the name of the Lord Jesus right now. This is going to be like that. Uh, You have made it and you will make it. uh, And God has called you right now to the kingdom for such a time as this. Uh, God minister right now in the name of the Lord. Come on, let's lift our hands up and pray all in this house right now. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost. This shall be. This shall be. This shall be. This shall be be like that. This is going to be like that. What do you have going on right now, Goliath? Uh, You're no match for me because I've already been through some things. Uh, I've already faced some things, Goliath. uh, You're nothing. You're nothing because it's not about the size of the enemy. It's about the size of the God in the name of Jesus. Uh, This shall be like the others. Come on, if you've been through a storm and God has brought you through, lift up your hands right now and you tell the enemy that I'm not afraid. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. This shall be like that. I will not get down. I will not be defeated. This shall be like that. Yeah, yeah. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost right now. God's going to promote this church to a new level, but it's only going to come through the private devotion of nobody rescuing us uh, except God comes through. There is no hope uh, except the Lord comes through. 
I sit with Ernest right now. When you're all alone by yourself, call out to the Lord. Call out to the Lord. He will rescue you. When there's nobody there, He will rescue you. Yes, He will. Let Him show Himself to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let Him show Himself to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost right now in this place. God's speaking to us. God's Word is here right now in the name of the Lord. God's Word is here right now. He is speaking right now. He's going to confirm right now. This shall be. You will overcome. You will overcome. You will overcome in the name of Jesus. God will use what you've been through to fight the next fight, to take the next enemy, whatever it may be. In the name of Jesus, we will do it in the name of the Lord. Everybody say in Jesus' name. They're talking about a new variant that's on the way. I'm not scared of it. You hear me? I'm not scared of it. I don't care what variant comes. We've already done this. We've already done this. I don't care what comes our way now. We've already done this. When will we figure it out? Nothing can stop the church. When will we learn? This will be like that. We will still have revival. God will bless. God will move. I don't care what happens in the nation. We'll be all right. We've come through World War I, World War II. We've come through Vietnam. We've come through all the wars. This will be like that. I don't care if you get cancer next week. This will be like the others. We will not fear. We will not doubt. It just keeps repeating, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps, it's, it's the same, it's the same, uh, same enemy, just a different way. Yeah. It's the same enemy, different way. Same faith, different fight. That's all it is. Same faith, different fight. It doesn't matter what comes our way. We are ready because we've been getting ready. I'm going to tell y'all what COVID was. COVID was just a setup to strip us from our comforts, to force us to be with our families. Force us to be alone and trust in God for a while and take away all the distractions. Listen to me. I thank God for COVID. I thank God for COVID. I thank God for COVID. Show us in this American culture that we don't have it together. That we need nothing but Him. That there's no sword made with man's hands. That there's nothing made by medical doctors that can truly save us in this hour. There's nothing that has been proven to work except the name of Jesus. Nothing has worked. Nothing will work except the name of the Lord. We're about to dismiss, but listen to me. I think we're doing people that are new to church a disservice when we tell them, congratulations, you got baptized, you got the Holy Ghost, now let's go party. That's not biblical. This is how it should go. Congratulations, you got baptized, you got the Holy Ghost, let's go to the wilderness. The old timers used to do it like this. Now, get rid of everything worldly. And now you lose people when you say that. But you know what I found? You lose them anyway. Am I right? I mean, we, we lose them anyway. Our retention numbers aren't very good in the church. Do you know why? Because we, we really try to make it sound better than what it really is. 
and it's, it's really worse. When you continually refuse to let the Spirit lead you to stripping things out of, the, out of your life, you are just a ticking time bomb from backsliding. Because the purpose of the Holy Ghost is to give you the power to endure the next level. And guess what the next level is? Living free of the world. I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo! Let me tell you why y'all need to talk in tongues and feel the power of God and pray and get your Bibles out after you get the Holy Ghost. Because you're getting rid of everything else. Am I right? Let me, let me speak this word over people that are not quite connecting in the spirit right now. You've been in church for a long time. Maybe you've been in church for a few years here at AFC, but you're not growing. Let me tell you, let me prophesy to you. Here's why. Because you will not let the spirit of God strip every worldly thing out of your life. And you're not happy and you have no victory and you wonder why. It's because you refuse to let him be everything for you. You refuse it. You refuse it. I'm not even talking about changing the way you look. I'm talking about changing what you, what you lean on. When you live for God and you get the Holy Ghost and you feel that power and that joy, you need to start kicking out every crutch that you've been leaning on over the past 50, 30 years. Because now you don't need it anymore. What did the devil say? What was the first temptation for Jesus in the wilderness? He said, turn the stone into bread. Aren't you hungry? He said, I don't need that. You don't need it? You've been fasting 40 days. Here, here's the analogy. I'm so full in the spirit, my flesh doesn't need anything. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, you can live this separated life. And be content. But we're hurting people when we say, now don't change anything. Just enjoy the Spirit. And slowly one day He'll lead and guide you into all truth. That's not biblical. What do you do after you get the power and the joy of the Holy Ghost? You get rid of the killing agents that want to steal your victory. And you take the devil head on. Because he's going to come after you after you get the Holy Ghost. And we've said that, haven't we? I can't remember how many times we've told people after we got baptized in Jesus' name, now don't, don't the devil's going to fight you. But we don't tell them how to fight back. You can't tell people the devil's going to fight them without giving them some kind of hope that you can win. So if the devil's going to fight you, why are you going to watch HBO all week long? It doesn't make any sense. Why are you going to keep eating like you used to eat? Maybe if the devil's going to fight you, you should fast this week. The devil's going to fight you. You just live the same way you've been living. If the devil's going to fight you, why don't you get rid of all this world and get ready for the fight? So listen to me. This is very important. Everybody hear me. Make sure they're translating me right. This is very important. Okay? If you have not stripped everything away and had a personal private time with God to where he was your all in all, you will not make it in this fight. If you keep having to have a phone or a TV or a, or a meal or food or whatever your addiction is, whatever the thing of the world is that you think you need, you need to go ahead and strip that away and let for a season the Holy Ghost carry you. That's what you need to do. 
Pastor Green, will you give me Bible for this? Where I have to get rid of my TV and get rid of all that? Yeah, I'll give you Bible for it. Go into a wilderness where there's nothing. For 40 days. And you tell me what you want after 40 days. We've done it all wrong. We've tried to have scripture for the, for the effect. We should have had scripture for the cause. I don't have to sit up here today and tell you to get rid of stuff. All I got to tell you is go in the wilderness where there's nothing. And then you tell me what you want when you get done after 40 days. After you defeat the enemy. After the devil has no more power over you. Now you tell me what you want to watch, where you want to go, how you want to live. I'll guarantee you, you won't want to go back to the old way. Because once you've defeated the enemy, there's nothing stopping you now. Your public ministry can begin. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Can we close our eyes in this place right now in the name of Jesus? Oh, my Jesus, thank you for your word today. Mm. Now, let's take a few minutes. Let's respond to the Holy Ghost right now. Thank you, God, for your mercies and your grace. There's somebody around you just want to... If it's appropriate, just place your hand on your shoulder. Let's just take a minute. Let's pray. Let's feel after the Lord. God's going to minister right now in this place. I want someone to receive the Holy Ghost, someone to be healed right now. God, confirm your word today, right now. If you're deciding that you're about to go into a season of, of wilderness where God becomes your all, God's going to anoint you right now and give you a strength in the Holy Ghost. Some of you are scared of the wilderness because you don't have enough Holy Ghost. And right now, if you feel like God is calling you to go into a season of wilderness, I want you to lift up your hands and let the Spirit of God baptize you afresh so that you can live in a season without needing anything from the world. And right now, God is going to baptize people all over this church with the ability and power to live without things, even things like food. You can make it in the name of Jesus and you will finally get victory over the enemy in the name of the Lord who am I talking to right now you've been coming to church but you have no power you've been coming to church but you have no victory you've been coming to church but you have no authority over the enemy because you keep getting things of the world to comfort you you can do it in the name of the Lord Jesus come on let's lift up our hands let's receive the Holy Ghost power you can't do this next season Come on, you've had your turkey. Let's go to a season right now of God stripping away everything. Strip it away, God. Strip it away, God. Strip it away, God. Right now in Jesus' name. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Strip it away, God. That's it right now. Strip it away, God. I'm alone, but I'm not alone. I'm alone, and I'm tempted, but I'm going to have victory. I'm going to cry and weep, and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to have bread from heaven and not bread from the earth. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to overcome this lonely season. This is not to destroy me. This is to help me to take that cross. In the name of Jesus right now, God, let your anointing flow right now. I speak your word, God. God, it's going to work. It's going to happen. There's going to be a new ministry born in this place. There's going to be a new anointing born in this place. There's going to be a new anointing born in this place right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, by your authority, God, sweep through this place, God. Let the Holy Ghost move right now. In the name of Jesus, thank you, God, for your power. Thank you, God, for your anointing. Thank you, God. I don't want this world. I don't want to need this world. I don't want to have to have this world and the things in this world. I don't want to be a slave to my surroundings anymore. Let's lift up our voices and pray right now, can we? In the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you, God. I don't want this world anymore. 
I don't want to be attached to it. I don't want to be attached to it. I don't want to have to rely on it. I have bread that you know not of. I don't need it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I might be alone, but God is still with me. He's the only one with me, and he's all that needs to be with me in the name of Jesus right now. That's all right. You can be alone. You can be alone. That's where you're going to find your greatest power, your greatest liberty in the name of Jesus Christ right now. In the name of the Lord right now, thank you, God. I've never done this before, Lord. I've always had a crutch. I've always had a crutch. In the name of Jesus, thank you, God. To our Facebook family out there, you can be dismissed. Y'all can turn off the Facebook. Thank you, God. I've never tried just...